Blog Talk Radio. Quarters. Security, condition three. Thank you. Security three, sir. General quarters three. Intruder alert. GQ three. Intruder alert. Well, intruder, that not make might someone <laughs> not feel quite as welcome as we want, Mr. Sulu. But good evening and welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon. I am your hostess and your cruise director, Madam Perry, but you can also call me Jennifer or um, Jan or the my Brit name is J-Mod for Jennifer Maudette. But, you know, I'm just happy to have you here in the Genie Bottle known as Madam Perry Salon. And I want to first of all say thanks to everybody that's been listening, downloading, especially if you've been subscribing on um, Blog Talk Radio or Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry Podcast, FM. Thank you so very much for subscribing, for downloading. I really appreciate that. And you know what else? Um, you doing that helps keep the numbers growing, helps me continue to have excellent guests like I've got tonight. You know, last night, if you were here, we had a Chris Difford talking about his new book, Some Fantastic Place, My Life in and Out of Squeeze. And uh, he talked a little bit about his songwriting with uh, Chris Difford. We had a lot of calls. We had stacked up calls about people who love squeeze music and, and uh, all the songs that have special meaning to them. And that was that was really nice. Uh Coming up in the next few weeks, we're going to have uh, uh, Jay Blake Perkins and his book, uh, Hillbilly Hellraisers. Yeah, Hillbilly Hellraisers. Also, uh, comedian Ricky Glore and, um, and a few other musician pals coming back in that we've had in here before. But tonight, I've got a guy that I have been wanting to have on for a long time. It turns out all I had to do was ask him. Uh, he is a rather prolific author, and I think most of you... Uh, Almost all of you know who he is. He writes um, quite a variety of science fiction, fantasy. Uh, he also writes in the steampunk genre, medieval fantasy, young adult, spec fiction. Um, and I think he's got, of the 12 books he has on Amazon, they even list social DIY in there, Aslan. He also writes poetry, short um a lot of the books are poetry, short stories, and uh, he has more than, or he has short stories actually, and more than a dozen anthologies. You know, he's quite a clever guy, and it's going to be just easier to bring him in and let you start talking to him and finding out. But he's been writing since his teens, and this guy has never stopped. He's also the host of a very popular podcast, Talk of the Tavern. And you also think of him as a, I think of him as a gentleman. And a storyteller, and I'm delighted to welcome Travis Siver to Madame Perry's salon. Hi, Travis. Well, hello, Madame Perry. That was quite an intro. What's that? 
I just laugh because you know your I'm seeing your style has been described as a blend of Stephen King's character development, George R. R. Martin's world building, and Mark Twain's wit. And when I read that, I think that's why that's why I'm so fascinated with you and why I enjoy watching your <laughs> your podcast. That's it. You got all my well, favorites right there in a bunch. It's and uh, all three gentlemen have their moments of being terribly inappropriate, yet also fun and clever. And I'd like to think I can achieve that at most times. Well, from what I've seen and heard, yes. So, how you doing? I think you just got back into town, haven't you? Were you a big? I did. Lick? I'm, I'm, yeah, I was actually. It's out in Roanoke. It was the Big Lick Comic Con, ran by J.D. Sutton, which. What what a great gentleman! You ever walk up to somebody and they just have a good look, and then they have a personality that goes perfectly with it, and you're just enthralled by him. Yes, I married him. Oh, good for you! <laughs> Sorry to all the other ladies out there. Um, but yeah, JD was like that, and the guests he had were. Are you familiar with either Gilmore Girls or Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah. Now, there's a gentleman who starred in both of those named Sean Gunn, and he plays the body of Rocket Raccoon as well as the character of Kraglin in Guardians of the Galaxy, who's one of the quasi-bad guys. And in Gilmore Girls, he was Kirk. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Who was just one of the most that, fun, so. goofy... Yeah. So tell us what the uh, – I, I wasn't sure what this was, and I thought, okay, is this something a little – I didn't want to ask you and then be embarrassed by saying, you know, how was, how was everything at Big Lick? But the Big Lick Comic Con, so um, how, how long were you there? Tell us what happened. What would you do? Who would you meet? Who else did you meet, rather? Well, I got in there at, uh, oh, I guess just after 11 a.m. and stayed for about half the day because it was a four-hour drive for me. Um, so I didn't want to get home at 10 at night, especially since my, you know, I had my son with me and my girlfriend with me. But, uh, yeah, we also met a, uh, let's see, Viva Valentina um, was there. She's a well-known cosplayer as well as Jeremy Ambler, who you have seen in a variety of movies as kind of background second-tier character in Walking Dead, The Crazies, The Road. And I did an interview with each of them, which by the way, it's up on my mm-hmm. YouTube channel. If anybody wants to go look up youtube.com slash talk of the tavern channel, you'll find all these interviews and the montage I did. It was a great time. Just watch people dressing up and having a good time and meeting a few of the superstars of geekdom. It, it's just a happy place to be. <laughs> I like the So the superstars of geekdom, you know, I can think of yeah. Two, there are two, I guess, uh, genres of entertainment where the fans love the stars. They love their favorites forever and ever, no matter what they have done, how long it's been, how large or small. And that is country music and things like sci-fi mm-hmm. and fantasy comic con- and comic cons. Those they love their they love their heroes and their stars and their writers forever. And they don't have to have like the something out in the last two years, you know. No, so, no, they're definitely loyal. The only time you lose your audience, they are, and the only time you'll lose your audience and your fan base is if you just do something that is 
socially unacceptable. If you turn out to be a creep, you will lose people. But you know, if you're a decent human being, you've got fans for life. <laughs> That's a good thing. Listen, I hope you're comfortable. This is your first time here in the Genie Bottle. I do hope you're comfortable. You seem to have a nice cushion to sit on. I noticed that I think you bought a pipe. If you'd like to smoke it, please do. Oh, I might. I wasn't sure about the close quarters in here and, you know, the amount of the volume of smoke that would take up. But I really like that beaming in. That, that's very uh, – it, it's a nice dichotomy with the decor in here when you get beamed in directly. With the, 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 the whole the Moroccan <laughs> yeah, – oh, well, yeah. you know – a girl's got to, uh, you know, try to make her guests feel comfortable and yet save them a little time as well. So um, that's what I try to do. Thank you. So uh, <laughs> I'm just so giddy. I just feel so fangirl. So happy to have you here. And by the way, if you're listening live, I'm talking to Travis Sivert, author, podcast host, Bon Vivant. And uh, you can call in and talk to him. The number is. The number here is 646-716-9922. Again, 646-716-9922, and we would be delighted. I know, I do believe Travis would be delighted to take your calls and answer questions and uh, talk about what he's uh, got going on. So, now you've got, um, I don't even know where to begin, but I do like the fact that you're a storyteller. You don't even know put yourself so much as a writer, which you are a writer, but as a storyteller. And so many of your books uh, seem to be done in short form or story, like like a books of stories. And right. it it makes me think of uh, wasn't it? Bear bear with me, my ignorance, my my memory here, but wasn't it also Edgar Allan Poe felt that you know stories should be able to be read in maybe one good good sitting should be able to enjoy from beginning to end for me it's it's a matter of i love i love variety and diversity so short stories work well with that now i do have some full-length novels out but with the way my mood and my attention changes it's nice to put the stories down and then have something to do with them instead of them just sitting on a computer and that's why you see these collections and even if they're interconnected, uh, a couple of my books, the Croker Norge Case Files and Triddington Birthright, it's five to seven stories about the same characters. But like the Sherlock Holmes books, they're separate stories, but they'll have an overall arcing connection from beginning to end. Hmm. When you first began writing in your teens, yes. and what did you write then? And who were your who were your influences? Who were your favorite people to read? My who favorite people to read. Well, the favorite person was Piers Anthony. Um, he, I was a big mm-hmm. fan of his. I I went all over the place. A little Stephen King, a little Dean Koontz, a little um, of the other sci-fi and fantasy authors, particularly the Dungeons and Dragons oriented stuff like Weiss and Hickman, and. Uh, mm-hmm. Alan Dean Foster, who wrote some of the Star Wars books, actually didn't enjoy his stuff very much because it was very light, and I could burn through one of his books in an afternoon because it didn't have much substance to it. Good writing, just not my flavor of a meal. But other than that, yeah, I, I started with fantasy, just pure epic fantasy. 
And when uh, your books, um, how long have you been? How long have your books been on the market for people to read? And tell me about what it's like when you first start having readers, people that buy your book or people that meet you. That and will you? I just can't imagine what it's like to find somebody. You know, when you meet people that have read your book and they know your characters and discuss it with you. I am still tell surprised me, me when it happens. It's, uh, I first published in 2001, and then I guess it was about 2012 I started publishing in other people's anthologies, submitting short stories, and it was 2013 when my first book came out on my own, um, if I remember correctly. But this past weekend, there was multiple people that stopped me and went, oh, I know you. You know, I have one of your books, and you signed it for me and everything, and and it's constantly surprising because I live with me. I know me. It's, it's nothing special, yeah. so for somebody to express any kind of enthusiasm other than, hey, it's that guy, it's always a surprise and a delightful one. It's, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I hope I never lose the wonder and excitement of when somebody goes, I have your book. Well, I don't think you ever will, following you as I have, you know, and, and being a gentleman that you are. But, but also, when, do you, when did you cross, though, or when did you enter the world of steampunk? That would have been about 2009. I have been going to Renaissance fairs since, oh, probably 20 years before that. And the last day of a Renaissance fair, it's become tradition to have a day of wrong, where people dress up in outfits that don't fit the medieval <laughs> Renaissance fashion. <laughs> And I had a few friends in steampunk, and they said, we're going as this. I said, great, I'll try to dress the same. And I went into my closet with all my different garb, outfits, costumes, and put together something that worked as a basic steampunk outfit. And it was shortly after that I investigated it, and I was writing stories in that genre soon after that. And then I was invited on a radio show to – for five minutes to speak about steampunk. A week later, I was putting together my own radio show, which is now it, – it was a podcast, then it became a radio show, and then it, now it's a video talk show. And that's been a, that's been a great wow. trip. I enjoy that every week. Last night, we did three hours all about vaudeville. I I should have tuned in live on that one, but I can. But I can still. Um, I needed that last night. So, uh, but it's, it's still downloadable. <laughs> yes, it is Afterward, currently on Twitch. Yeah, and before the morning, I will have it up on YouTube. So, if anybody wants to check out the YouTube channel, and if you do, use the playlist. If you go to my YouTube page, just pull up playlist. I organize them nicely, make it easier for whatever your interest is, because I am. Like my writing, all over the place. I'm very eclectic and can't stick to one topic. There's too much in the world and in life for me to narrow it down to one topic. And I like that. I think that yeah, I think there's uh, <laughs> uh, there there was far too much creativity and far too much going on with you. Um, I'm not laughing at you for this. When I'm telling you this, I'm thinking about an old. Um, uh, radio show that I have a copy of, and it's uh, Mae West, and I forget the male actor name, but I do know it was written by uh, Arch Obler, who was a very popular writer uh, back in the radio days, mm-hmm. and 
they're there she's it's, it's Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And Mae West as Eve is telling him, you know, I gotta get out of here. I need some place where I can I need some place with some room where I can, you know, spread my talents mm-hmm. around. So <laughs> I keep wanting to think about well, Travis, you need yeah, you've got so many talents to spread around <laughs> like this. So um uh Let's the only the reason I have I'm half of those. My... Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. No, please do. Go ahead. <laughs> the only reason I have so many is because there comes a point in time where I want to see something and I go search for it. And when it doesn't exist, I just learn how to do it and make it because I want it. And if I can real quickly say hello to Edward von Hegner and Ian. Thank you for joining us, gentlemen. Glad to hear you're listening tonight. Now, what were you ah, saying? Ah, very lovely. Edward? And Ian, delighted. Yeah, delighted there, to have you listening. there are a couple Thank you regulars so from Talk of the Taverns. <laughs> ah, nice to know that. And, uh, and and if you gentlemen want to call in, 646-716-9922 to call into Madam Perry's salon and say hello. Um, oh, I was going to say, I'm going to my first uh, steampunk convention in March. Mm-hmm. It's Wild Wild West Con. And so oh, even though I've one. been following and been a fan of the show, you've been there before, haven't you? No, no. I almost went as a guest a few years ago, but it didn't work out. But I have tons of friends who have gone, and they only say nice things about it. Well, I've known James Breen, uh, who mm-hmm. he's a manager. He puts together the panels and so forth and some events. And uh, I've been a friend of his on Facebook for years, and he's helped me book several steampunk uh, folks, artists, uh, authors, and musicians on my podcast. And so I've been a fan of the whole genre, the whole scene for a long time. This is my first convention, and uh, he, he talked me into coming out there and, and doing a presentation and some panels and stuff. So I'm putting together my outfit and trying to put together my wardrobe to take with me. And uh, I guess you know Thomas Dean Williford, who makes a lot of oh, yes. uh, steampunk garment equipment. Okay, so one night, James, it's about a month ago, James was on with Thomas Dean Williford and, of course, Thomas's gorgeous uh, girlfriend, Amy Wilder. And I said, I've got to mm-hmm. ask you guys one thing. When you go with all the stuff that you make, all your gear, what kind of luggage do you have to take on the plane? I mean, this is not like you're just packing up a pair of jeans and a sweater. You know, you've got all this gear to take. Because, oh, sure. our, our luggage our luggage is enormous. But I was thinking, for me trying to pull things together, you – in consideration of folks like me, have a book called Steampunk for Simpletons. And by the way, That's the right. art on the cover, mm-hmm. the artist is what, Elizabeth uh, Gallendorf? Is that yeah. correct? Gallendorf? Elizabeth okay, Gallendorf. Yeah, wonderful artist. Great to work with. Love, love her work. Love her. The colors, the design, everything about it is just gorgeous. Um, so. I don't know what made you put together a book like that as a two, just a little guide, something helpful for the rest of us. But uh, mm-hmm. tell us about putting that together and what kind of feedback you've got on it. That is the the book of mine that sells the best, and it originated from before I was talking at the tavern. The name of the show was Sounds of Steam, and we were steampunk focused, um, and. There was one time we did a show, kind of like a panel, and we called it Steampunk for Simpletons, and that was the episode that week, and it got a great response. And Wendy Callahan, who's an author in her own right, 
was my co-host. And mm-hmm. after that show, we went, why don't we just take our notes and turn it into a book? And we looked at options, and we decided to follow the Four Dummies line or the four Guide for Idiots, and we went with Steampunk for Simpletons. And yeah, it's just basically going a little bit through the history and the origins of, of the actual reality as well as the fiction. And then I address it as social DIY because I feel like a lot of times we have these wonderful hobbies and we don't know how to meet others who are into it. So a lot of my nonfiction focuses on how to socialize, how to meet people, how to connect and find the people that you want to hang out with. Yeah, that's very yeah useful information, and I think too, especially for grown-ups, it isn't always hard, easy mm-hmm. for us to uh, to find our connections and our people like that. Well, if I could, I'm going to take just a moment. Um, if you would don't mind, I'd like to have some tea. I think you might as well. Very good. I'll gladly partake right, of that so, and also light up a pipe here. So, Okay, and while we're doing that, while we're, um, while I'm sending my butler for the tea, I'm going to play a little music by uh, probably your friend, mine, Frenchie and the Punk. Oh, they're great. Oh, yeah.
love Frenchie and the punk, uh, Samantha and Scott, and I know you do too. And by the way, uh, if you're listening live tonight, and this is Tuesday, February 13th, uh, send some good thoughts and prayers for uh, Susanna of Frenchie and the Punk to Frenchie because she's had to make a, you probably know this, Travis, she's had to make a a flight to South Africa for her, yeah, for her mother sick. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. she asked for everybody to send her some good thoughts Thoughts for her and some love. Yeah. You know, they were and, uh, some of the first steampunk performers that I met at my first steampunk convention. Really? Oh. Yeah, yeah. And, and they were part of the reason I, I met grew them to in love person. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, they're they ju- I mean, delightful they just... with it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was going to say, they seem very, very genuine and very sincere people. They are. They are. And they appreciate... There are fans who approach them and speak to them. They're very gracious and inclusive, and I just admire those traits when it comes to interacting with the people who appreciate what you're doing. When uh, yeah, it took me a long time to get them on on the podcast, mostly because they're just so busy, and mm-hmm. I mean they are going all the time. But when they did, it was just so uh, very enchanting to have them both in. Very lovely people. And uh, you know what? I think that um, I think that my man Percival is back here with the tea now. Percival. Yes. Percival. Here I am. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. I'm coming around the corner through these beads, carrying the tray. Be careful, Percival. Be careful. Travis is dressed up for the show, so please be careful. No, oh, clothes these? are meant to be worn and used. So. <laughs> Good evening, Mr. Tyler. It's a pleasure to meet you, Percival. How are you this evening? Thank you. I'm fine. Would you have some tea? Yes, please. We have Zinn, we have chamomile, we have Kia tea. I love the Kia tea, but of course we also have the Earl Grey. Earl Grey is fine, and if you are looking for new teas, I recommend you look into Mad Hatter tea out of the U.K. Great tea, very robust and full-flavored. Mad Hatter, I'll write it down. Very good. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, thank you for that suggestion. All right. And so, again, if you're listening live, here on Madam Perry Salon, my guest, my guest is Travis Sivert. If you want to call the number 646-716-9922. And if you want to drop in, maybe Percival has a little bit more uh, tea that he could share with somebody else. So um, tell me about when you switched over the podcast, when you changed names. Tell me how you decided and determined your format because that's a pretty big deal. And that's one thing I'm going to be talking to people about at Wild Wild West Con is if you want to start a podcast, you know, how to create, how to decide what your format is and your style and your name. Well, so what all was your of mine started. Process? This all started in 2007 where I originally designed a podcast which was going to be pre-recorded and it was going to have segments like we have now, This Week in History, what I'm drinking and or if I'm taking a pipe or a cigar, what I'm smoking. And I 
blended that into Sounds of Steam. Now, Sounds of Steam initially started as, yes, it's a podcast, but it was also live internet radio over two radio stations, one in the UK and one here out of the US. And then when we transferred to Talk of the Tavern, that was about after a year and a half of Sounds of Steam, I found myself repeating topics because we were primarily a talk show as opposed to music. We just used music to break up the segments. Um, I ran out of topics that I could talk about for two, three hours. And instead of repeating stuff, I decided to expand, and I went back to my original talk at the tavern. And I kept all the same things from Sounds of Steam. And since I blossomed under the steampunk umbrella, I kept the third hour as the Sounds of Steam music hour, where I could definitely still play people like Frenchie and the Punk and all the other great artists that I had supported for all that time. And and now it's it's still there, and that's what we do. Three hours of chitting and chatting and laughing a lot and being inappropriate and <laughs> playing independent music by great artists who just play their heart out. I know that um, with... How do you? And I'm gonna. When I talk to people, I'm gonna. I'd like to be able to say, you know, I've talked to some of the greatest podcasters, such as you, and tell them how then do you find, how do you get your podcast to the people that you know are your people to its audience? How do you find your audience? This is the hardest thing to do. Um, first of all, first and foremost, be you. Be you don't you you can go learn all the rules then break them to make your show a piece of you that you're putting out there that's going to find your audience more importantly that's going to keep your audience now to grow your audience i have found there's two ways to do it one way is take a niche and and take that niche and farm it like steampunk, it was easy to get an audience. It's a small, dedicated group. They're hungry for more material of that topic, etc. Whereas with Talk of the Tavern, is so broad spectrum, it's really hard to grow the audience. Even though there's more interest base, there's also a lot more out there like it. So with that, that's a matter of constant hard work of going to conventions or events or posting in this group or that, all the time balancing how much can I promote myself before I annoy the people whose pages I'm putting it on. So, mm-hmm. And that's, you know, whether yeah. it's a YouTube channel, a podcast, I know you worked in the industry for a while, you know how promotion goes. You can over-promote and create a negative shadow on yourself because you're in everybody's face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's an excellent point about, you know, don't annoy the people with whom you're posting because as an entertainment publicist, I, one of the things I do is I teach a, uh, a DIY publicity webinar for authors and musicians. And one is, you know, mm-hmm. social media can be your – you can use it the right way and grow your audience or you can just get everybody to shut you off completely, which a lot of it has to do with how you approach, how often, and and, and showing some concern about other people, not just, you know, can't be all me, me, me. No, the way uh, you create an audience is to interact with them and show them you care about them also. That's the people that will come back. Yeah. 
I, I, yes. So now they can hear it from you as well as me. Yeah, you've got to show them that they matter to you. And not and you can't fake that. I mean, some people can do it. No. To me, you cannot fake that. People know. They do. And also you have different types of audience. For example, Ian and um, Edward Von Hagen are listening tonight. They're part of my core audience. They're the gentlemen that show up almost every week when they can. Um, then I have other people that will show up who are there just to get attention, just to hear their names said. And I treat one group differently than I treat the other. I, I don't ignore anybody, but these gentlemen are going to get a much more sincere conversation, whereas somebody who's there obviously just to shout the loudest and get me to look at them, figuratively speaking, you know, they're going to get a shorter conversation. <laughs> A pat on the head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Because I don't want to discourage interaction. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm just looking over some notes, making sure I didn't actually skip over any information that I <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking notes about okay. during the show. But you know, actually, you know, one thing mm-hmm. I have sometimes uh, there are times when guests will give a gift, uh, a prize to a um, audience member, maybe a CD or a book or some tickets to a show or something. But on your website, on TravisSivert.com, you have a free ebook giveaway for everyone there, and I it's do, called and this one is what Run Away with Your Imagination. Uh, that's the tagline for the website. The book itself is Journal of a Stranger, mm-hmm. and that takes a character. It's the diary of a time traveler as he goes through 70,000 years, past, present, and future, not in order, and he actually interconnects my different series across different times. He's a loose thread, though. He's not, he's not the main character in most of the books, but this is his diary, and he also doesn't believe in time traveler. He, he believes it's a shifting of realities if you look into quantum physics and whatnot, you know, with the, the multiverse and whatnot. So, okay. yeah, that's – and, uh, yeah, he, right. yeah, in some respects, he's in please. most of my book. What's that? No, I'm I'm just laughing along with that with with the way um, you, this character. I'm just go ahead. I just enjoy the personality of it all. He's a good character. He was actually in the first story I've ever submitted, and I have my work in over forty books at this point, um, including like four or five pen names because I don't want my inappropriate adult humor blending with my children's book and that mixing into my general sci-fi and fantasy. I don't want to scare a parent when they go, that was a great book for my kid. Let me get this one. And they get the inappropriate humor. Um. <laughs> I completely understand. This is, you know, yeah. my... You know, my, my good man Percival here is also a writer, and I know oh. he has been checking out a lot of your work, and I do believe he has something to say or to ask you. Uh, yes, um, Mr. Sivet, did you, did you begin when you uh, – you're so prolific. You have so many books out. Did you begin writing with the <laughs> idea of 
steampunk, or did that come later? And what were your first, what genre would you say your first books were? Oh, good question. I like those. Um, As it were. Now, I started in fantasy. Um, From a young age, like six years old, I would carry around a notebook and write down notes about things which I didn't realize this until my older relatives told me just a year or two ago. In middle school, I began writing medieval fantasy because I played Dungeons and Dragons, and this was the genre that I enjoyed. Steampunk came about a little bit later because having done Renaissance fairs and all these other things, I, I felt I was done with that era. I still adore it, but I was ready to move on to something else, and I always fancied the manners the attitude, the style of pretty much 1880 to 1910, actually even into the 1920s and 30s for that jazz era. And that's where steampunk came out of it. It blended my love of science fiction, especially, you know, H.G. Wells, Jules Verne, and the other great writers of that era. Um, And it allowed me to touch on horror like Edgar Allan Poe would or even... um, H.P. Lovecraft later, or even Mary Shelley Frankenstein, which was almost 100 years before the other writers. It just gave me this broad spectrum that I can touch on, and with time travel threading throughout steampunk, I can go anywhere and write about anything. Yes, yes. Very good, very good. Thank you. Uh, I can understand that. I I wrote a book when I was nine. It's about a man who wakes up and finds a giant egg in his room. And Mm. when the egg hatches, this gluk bird comes out, and the gluk bird travels travels with the protagonist and protects him from the bullies in the neighborhood until he has eventually, eventually he has to fly away, and it's all very sad. Oh, it, it has a bit of a tone oh. of um, Puff the Magic Dragon to it, doesn't it? Yes, somewhat, yes. So did you publish it? No, I I would sell it door to door in my neighborhood um, <laughs> for a quarter a page. I would sell one page, <laughs> and then I would go. I made several copies, and I'd sell one page for a quarter, and then the next day I'd sell them the second page. It was sort of a serial thing like Charles Dickens. Very good. That's clever. It's uh, And they kind of do that now with so many things <laughs> online where you pay a subscription and each month you get another installment. You were ahead of well, your time. Well, it is. Um, yeah. I do enjoy time travel, and I always have. Very good. And I believe he means that too, Travis. Travis, tell us about, you've got so many other projects I want to ask you about while I still have you here. And again, I'm delighted to have you here in Madame Perry Salon. Um, and I don't know where to begin. One is, you created a card game, Awkward yes, Compliments. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that if you would. Awkward Compliments came from when I was at a convention, Mars Con in Williamsburg, Virginia. A couple years back, I was sitting next to 
a few other authors, and we were tucked away in a corner where nobody could really find us, so we got to talking. And when I sit next to authors, I try to learn from them, whether it's how they made their books or how they interact with their customers. And if I see something like they're just shy, I try to pull them out of their shell and help them approach potential readers. But we were very alone most of the day, and we got to making jokes about you know, people coming and trying to draw them further down the table into the dark corner where the last author was by giving them compliments. But since we're all really pretty much introverts, they would be horrible, awkward compliments, like those eyebrows look great on you. And after making these jokes for a little bit, somebody said, this would make a great game. And I looked at him and I said, are you serious? And they said, yes. I said, I'll ask you again. Are you serious? And I warn you, if you say yes again, I will move forward on this. Not even a year later, we had a card game made. And it's a lot of fun, and there's two ways to play it. One is very easy and simple. The other one is much more imaginative and creative. And it hasn't sold like, you know, uh, flapjacks, hotcakes, or anything. But it's 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 fun, and <laughs> I enjoy sharing it with people. <laughs> <laughs> I like the description where it says, a crazy card game of floundering flirtation for three or more players who are old enough to be called immature. So, <laughs> and that's kind of like the perfect thing to do when you're sitting around <laughs> waiting for something else or waiting to go to something else you're going to do uh, a great game to play. Also, I noticed you have degrees in both, um, let me get this right, in religion, and metaphysics. Correct. Correct. Okay, so I figure you didn't put it there if you didn't mind me asking about it, uh, the information. No, I don't at all. So which came first, and how did one follow the other? Oh, let me go check the dates on them to remember which came first. Let's see, the Masters in Religion in 2012, and... Oh, it looks like I got them right around the same time because it was years ago. And to me, a degree is worth the paper it's printed on. It's how you use it. And one is an honorary degree, and the other one, um, it, it, it grandfathered in a lot of previous stuff. So I don't put a lot of stock in these. They're just fun conversation starters. Um, when it comes to religion, I've enjoyed since my early teens exploring many different religions and learning about different cultures through them. And then the metaphysics is I I have been a ghost hunter since my early teens. Friends would call me when they had hauntings or whatever. And spoiler alert, I have yet to find any definitive proof of the supernatural. But I keep hoping one day I will find definitive proof. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So that kind of takes me right on into uh, – and this is on the projects page of your website. And if you're listening or you're playing along at home, it's TravisSivert.com. And Travis I. Sivart. You? Travis I. Sivart. Yes, Travis I. Sivart. And I'll have this information on all of my social media. But you also have uh, a group, VIP Researchers, which is your paranormal investigation group. So That's you correct. seriously are available to help people. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um what I have found 
And again, I, I yearn for the day where I find something different. Most hauntings are a product of somebody's anxiety. And most of the time, you can just, by walking in going, oh, it's taken care of, people go, oh, I don't feel it anymore. But I do have a group with the equipment, with the background experience, et cetera, who have gone into many places to investigate, and absolutely we are available for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel like there have been times, even if you haven't found proof, even if you don't feel like you found definitive, you know, authentic proof that you do actually believe the person, you feel like they know what they felt, and it was, and they this seem rather this is where we get into psychology. Um, and absolutely, I believe the person felt that. But also people have been able to create memories that are 100% authentically real in somebody else's head by suggestion. When you have a police mm-hmm. investigation, eyewitness testimony is one of the least reliable testimonies there are because people see things and they mentally stack things around them and on top of them to create a whole what may not have been 100% accurate. But in no way do I discount mm-hmm. somebody's feelings of what they felt, what they saw, they believe they did. Let's work with that. Now let's try to find that proof. I have seen things I cannot explain. I don't have a quick, easy explanation. It's not like I walk in and go, well, it was a car going by. There are times where, but if you can't get it to recreate and document it, and mm-hmm. film it or multiple eyewitnesses, et cetera, you do not have definitive proof. So I don't walk in saying, mm-hmm. oh, this is a bunch of hooey. You just, you're just worried about things. No, no, we, we do look to recreate the situation, recreate the effect, um, and put that person's mind at ease with whatever's going on or remove whatever's creating that. It's not always just a hum in the wires that makes it sound like somebody's talking in the other room. You know, there are times there's things where you walk away going, I couldn't find it, but I couldn't give them a different reason for it happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't disprove it either. And, and those are the cases that you just really enjoy because there is a possibility of more, and that's exciting. Oh yeah. Do you have any? Uh, do you have like some of this, the special equipment that we see people use on the TV shows where they go out and do paranormal investigations? Not how at that work? level. If somebody calls you, how do you work? Um, if somebody calls me, first thing I do is, of course, get the base information, and then I contact my group. Who um, each of them has different equipment because these things aren't cheap. It's not like you go pick up a ghost hunter's kit for. Twenty thirty dollars. It costs thousands of dollars for a full stock of equipment, mm-hmm. and that's just the starter stuff. So once I have that information and contact my group, we discuss time because we all do work day jobs or whatnot. So it's not like we can just jump in the Ghostbuster car and head out there or anything. Um, <laughs> and then it's it's setting up the time and the appointment and going out there speaking with the people, getting information from different people, and then investigating the area and looking for whether it's one of the people I work with, they like to do the, the 
I don't even remember the abbreviation. I'm sorry, the voice recordings where you record, you ask a question, record the room, and then play it back looking for some answer that isn't audible to the human ear, but your equipment can pick up. And they found quite a bit that's very unexplainable and, and very clear in some cases. Then, of course, there's the you know temperature differences, and that's a handheld device, which went a little away from the body. But, yeah, you can check that as well as magnetic fluctuations, et cetera, electrical fluctuations. What is that? What is an EVP recorder? That's the abbreviation I was looking for. That would be... Um, my, my internet went down. This is why we had the Kickstarter for my show. My internet just went down because I'm actually using it. Oh, no. <laughs> I was going to Google it real cool. quick to get the answer, but um, I want to say it's EVP is... I'm going to say it wrong, like electromagnetic voice projection or something along those lines. Let me see. Okay, all right, that makes sense. See, this is also why I have a group of people because each specializes in their own little area. There we go, electronic voice phenomenon. So, yeah, and and it's great to work with the group because you do get vast experience in in one place. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking do you have a team of, that you with which I do. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead, please. <laughs> no, no. Let's go on with your questions. We'll get to the other stuff. All right. When we're done with the questions. Well, actually, I was going to say that I can I can tell I can tell that um, first of all, the same looking a behind his tea cart like he really wants to ask a question. So, Percival, please come on in and what is it you want to ask? First of all, our tea is tepid. We've been doing so much talking that the tea is tepid. There's nothing worse than tea that's tepid. I have to collect all of your cups and go in the back and heat them up again. In the meantime, you can In the meantime, you can consider this question. You have, um, not all of your books, I I see, are novels. I'm I'm a member of, or I have a subscription to Kindle Unlimited, and I can sit and read every one of your books uh, without stopping because I have absolutely nothing else to do when I'm not handing out tea here. It at Madame Perry's salon. But the books okay. of yours that are not novels, for instance, The 27 Faults on Enjoying Life. Yes. Um, uh, how, do you, how do you write this book? How do you go from one, one type of book to another type of book? And are there other books that are... Um, that that are uh, let's say what would you call that book? Um, uh, uh, books like that. <laughs> I'm not have sure what book that is. Have, have you written others? Uh, it, can, can you yes, hold for a moment, if you would, please, Percival? Please forgive me for interrupting here, but uh, Percival, if you don't mind, if you could just check the door, check the beaded curtain. We have someone else coming in here to Madame Perry's salon who uh, likes to visit. Hi, welcome to Madame Perry's salon. 
Interlo, <laughs> please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Michael Thompson. Hey, Michael, how hey. are you? <laughs> how you doing? Good. Nice Welcome, to the Michael. Who I had on the show a few weeks ago, and he's one you actually would like to bring on the show. I will guarantee that he's a a young author that has one book as well as a series of children's books out that he drew and wrote. So, sorry, Michael. Go on. Oh, oh it's all good. Michael, give me your last uh, name again, please. Thompson. Thompson. Thank you, dear. Welcome. Ah, it's good to be here. Um, so I'm I'm reading Harbinger. I, I'm loving it, Travis. Um, and uh, earlier you were talking about uh, your D and D influence, and uh, yes, I just started playing D and D. I'm on like my second, uh, the second game of our first campaign, and I'm nice. getting real into it. My last, uh, the last nail in my nerd coffin, I think. And uh, I was I was wondering, <laughs> have you played D and D in the world that you created for Harbinger? Yes, that's where the world originated. Um, that's the world I started creating when I was 13 years old, and it's just grown so expansive. And the steampunk world I write in is my medieval world. After the apocalypse you're reading about in Harbinger, 500 years later, the steampunk world has arisen in this place. Brilliant. Cool. Because the world uh-huh. building was so that uh, that uh, it would be a good uh, a good a good setting for. Some role-playing game. Yeah, that's where it all blossoms from. And uh, I tried to make it different enough from the game itself. I don't want somebody to go, I feel like I'm reading a D&D adventure, because that is not an adventure that I played. That no, is no, yeah. straight up and written. But a lot of the secondary and tertiary characters are actually NPCs, non-player characters for those not looming nerds, um, that the my playing groups have interacted with. So as you read about some of these, you're reading about famous historical figures in my fictional world. Uh, that's really cool. It, it made it fun to create. Yeah, I bet. It's really awesome. I'm enjoying Thank you, bud. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to harbinger it. <laughs> One more time, Percival? Uh, harbinger, it's... Uh, I see book one. Is there a is there another book? Book two. It's not written yet, and this is part of the dilemma I had, where I have two steampunk novels that are almost complete, and I, I had to debate which to work on, part two of Harbinger, The Downfall, or focus on these other two steampunk books. So it's a matter of juggling and getting it all done. But yes, there is one. It is not close to done. But it's it's in the works. Wonderful. Very good. Michael, would you like some tea? Oh yes, please. We have many kinds of tea. What what type of tea would you like? We have a lot of Earl Grey. Would you like some Earl Grey tea? Uh, Yes, pour me some Earl Grey, please. Wonderful. Travis, it's, I also um, see that you that you use the the number twenty seven. Is there a significance to the number twenty seven? There is, but it's not necessarily significant to me. Twenty seven is three times nine, and nine being three times three. So it basically it started out as I wanted to do this self help book. I had 
multiple friends hospitalized for suicide attempts or in one case, one was successful or hospitalized for depression, all within like a couple weeks. And oh, no. a lot of these people are one, you know, it's, it was, well, these things happen. But yes, it's one of those things I wanted to give something to my friends or strangers that might be able to help. And 27 thoughts came out of that. And I just started writing a list of things that I do when I have my, we all have moments where it's a little rougher. And if we can do certain things, it helps us not spiral down. And that's what this was uh-huh. aimed at. And the reason I hit 27 is because I thought about doing 10. 10 wasn't enough. You know, you, you have like 19, and you're like, well, that's a weird number. So I ended up going with 27 because that's three times three times three. It's a math thing. It's a numerology thing, which doesn't hold much meaning for me, but it's fun to talk about. <laughs> well, it does round I'm it part out. Of, I'm part of the 23 crowd. Ah, yes, a 23 crowd. It's That's a fun one, too. It's, uh, I've had friends who definitely have repetitive numbers pop up um, from 23, and then I had another friend, of course, who saw 666 everywhere in dollar amounts or account numbers on their electric bill or what have you. Mm -hmm. Yes, if you look for it, it's there just because you look for it. Yes. So if I may, Uh, I know I don't know how long we run. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Yes. Madam Perry. Are you going to read something? Oh, no. I can. I'd have to pop off Leave to the early? room and grab one of my books. No, no. Well, I don't know. Oh, this, okay. you, I, I'm checking on time here. How are we on time? Okay. Do we have plenty of time? That would be. No, we don't Did have you? plenty of time. Okay. If I may, with Talk of the Tavern, I'd love to tell people about a Kickstarter I'm running. Would that be okay? Yes. That would be marvelous. Please do. Okay. With Talk of the Tavern, I since I moved three years ago, I have horrible, horrible Internet here. So I'm trying to get the equipment to improve the Internet connection so I no longer have to drive an hour and a half one way to find a place to broadcast from. And I'm also looking mm. to change the face of talk shows. Instead of what we think of as our late-night talk shows, I want a three-hour block with one person so you can really get to know them, get to know their personality, and talk more than three minutes about their next project and then shoo them off to the next person. So if anybody is interested, please feel free to uh, go to kickstarter.com and search for Talk of the Tavern. You'll find my Kickstarter there. We're just looking to get equipment so, A, we broadcast better from my home studio, and B, so we can go out into the world and broadcast from any location we want to. That's the whole pitch. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Wonderful. So we've got to kickstarter.com, talk of the tavern. And if you can hear that British woman's voice, just totally ignore her because um, we, we want to hear you read. Okay, we want to hear talk you read. Talk of the tavern, kickstarter.com. Mm-hmm. 
fiction or nonfiction? What's your well, pleasure? Oh my gosh, we're just so excited to have you read. Just you pick, but I will. But I do want to say that if you're uh, listen, fine. We will have if you listen to the show it's live or, or downloaded later. I will have all of the uh, information to connect with Travis I. Sivert and his Kickstarter uh, on Kickstarter.com for Talk at the Tavern on all of my social media and on the Madam Perry Salon Facebook page. I'll be sharing that information there because, yeah, we definitely want you to uh, keep doing what you're doing and doing more of it and changing the uh, face of talk radio. Everything you do, uh, talk shows, that's what we want. We want more Travis Sivert all the time. Oh, thank you. So, so now we're just going to sit here with our cups of tea and uh, enjoy entertainment because this is very okay. exciting. What I'm going to read from is actually my first book that went out, and this is the first short story in that book and the first short story I published with someone else. And the book is Etheric Elements, which, by the way, if you look me up on Amazon, you can find this book as a free download. So please help yourself to that as well as 27 Thoughts on Enjoyment. Okay. What is new is old again. I had thought to take the rail plane It was new, but it was a singular idea of modern technology. It was like the train I was currently a passenger aboard, powered by steam and rode on rails, except it was suspended from a rail above the ground and had a huge propeller that made it two or three times faster than my current transportation. I had to settle for this more prevalent mode of transport because I was traveling the whole length of the country, across the northern territories and states from Van Tisselet to New Filton. I was much more accustomed to traveling in a less public manner, but this time was too far to rely on horse or carriage, and my regular form of travel was very exhausting and much easier to get lost. A Zeppelin would go the whole trip, but not as fast and cost much more. Also, I did not want to deal with the society elitists that tended to prefer them. I stowed my pistol and other unneeded items in my private compartment. I ventured out, not liking the confines of a small room when traveling through such open country. I wore my wrist bracer with its dials, a thermometer, a timepiece, and a compass in its own pocket. My red-brown sleeveless leather duster was open, leaving the brass buckles and straps hanging. My favorite hat was tilted back with the brim dipping to cover my eyes. I found the style in the Southern Galax two years ago in 6524. It was worn by a woman in a play called Fedora. In Tyrone, they teased me about wearing a woman's hat, but here in North Mirren, no one knew the difference. But to each their own. After all, I mocked the current fad of goggles, except when they were worn at proper times, such as flying, driving, or in hostile environments like deserts or the Arctic. To see an adventurer wearing them brought a smile to my face and made me want to buy the bearer a drink for a good story. To see a Bolton nobleman wear those on his top hat made me want to ask why, if he needed them for something other than fashion. We were stopping in a station in Shy Falls in the Dathiam Territory to let more passengers aboard. It had become much more populated since they discovered gold here a little more than ten years ago. I knew it would be divided up and given statehood one day. I watched as the ladies in bustles squeezed into the wooden benches of the coach class. Men sat sweating in their coats and top hats, crammed in beside prospectors and homesteaders, heading back east for various reasons. Claiming my satchel from beside me, I stood and offered my seat to an elderly lady in what appeared to be her grandson. She smiled her thanks with a small sigh as I tipped my hat. I made my way to the dining car. 
pushing past a crowd of new passengers. It was late, and most would be settling down for the night. A nice brandy and maybe a pipe would be excellent at this hour. The dining car was a fine affair, mahogany wood, paneling covering the walls, tables and bar, highlighted with polished brass rails and crystal glass tulips over the electric lights. The new trains were amazing. The electric lights were actually a self-generated power gathered by the turbines linked to the wheels. So the faster the train went, the more energy it had to distribute. It even had storage cells for when it wasn't moving. The steam discharge was used and recaptured to help heat the water for hot showers. Movable panels had been installed in the upper corners of the train cars. These panels would open on one side when it was cold, and the steam coursing through the tubes that ran from car to car would heat the interior. Or open on the other side to vent the heat out and let cool fresh air inside during the hot days. Simple modifications made such a difference. I sat at a table, not liking the center stage feel of a bar. This also allowed me to look out the window and not have to interact much with the other passengers. I drew my pipe pouch from my satchel and rubbed the well-worn leather with my thumb for a moment, deep in thought. Filling my pipe was routine, and I paid little mind to what I did. Dusting the tobacco off the table, I sprinkled on top of the packed pipe to make for easier lighting. Looking around, I drew a contraption from my pocket that wasn't well-known with my pipe. The flame shot a few centimeters above my cupped hand each time I popped. I could have asked a man with the handlebar mustache and apron behind the bar for a fag from the small stove, but I preferred not to start an obligatory conversation. I don't know how long I sat <laughs> enjoying the rhythm of the tracks when a faint shadow stopped at my side. A hand came into my field of vision, pointing at the other chair. Mind if I join you? asked a man with a faint Midwestern accent. I looked up at him for a brief moment and glanced at the other dozen empty tables lining the wall. You are smoking, he said. I plan to smoke also. There is something about the brotherhood of the leaf that makes me want to sit with someone that also enjoys the pleasures of a nice smoke. Besides, I know you won't complain about the smoke, and others are less likely to complain if we are both smoking, he said with a shrug. I gestured to the other chair, giving a similar shrug and puffed on my pipe as he set down a sketch pad with charcoal pencil and settled into the seat. I studied the man sitting across from me. First thing I noticed was his wild hair. It had a loose curl and was neither slicked back nor trimmed short but free. It was salt and pepper, and I knew it would be it would turn a wonderful white in time. His mustache followed suit and was a bushy affair that grew below the sides of his mouth. The rest of his face was clean-shaven. That face was lined with character that spoke of a life that had been lived to the fullest, and I can see creases, I could see creases from the frequent smiles, as well as worry. He was about ten years older than me, from the pocket of his white jacket that was not neatly pressed, though not too worn either. He drew a cigar and lit it from the short candle and the crystal glass on the table. He leaned back and blew out a long stream of dirty gray smoke. We sat in silence, and I returned to watching the shadowy landscape. It is a mystery of life, he said, breaking my cogitation. I looked at him, eyebrow, eyebrow raised. He had a good voice, the kind that told good stories and made me want to listen, at least for a little while. Can one man change the world? 
Well, it depends how you mean that. My brow crinkled as I attempted to reason where his question had come from. I had done many things and had opinions on his exact question. I did not assume he knew me or where I had been, but I had a weakness for the great questions of life. When somebody opens a conversation with something close to one, I cannot resist but to explore their thoughts. Forgive me. My name is Samuel, he said, extending his hand, his drawl very pronounced at that moment. Jack, I said, accepting his hand. His grip was warm and friendly and lingered for a moment of rare human contact. It spoke of a man looking for answers. I just lost a dear friend and returning home to Quarry Farm in the Empire from his funeral. And as such events will do, it's left me contemplative, he continued. I nodded, waiting for him to go on. I think about the deeds of my friend and the people he left behind. It is only natural, as humans are selfish creatures, that thoughts turn to my own mortality. I'm sorry to hear of your loss. I uttered the common courtesy of sympathy, unable to think of anything better to say. After a moment, I added, Tell me about your friend. He was a man, like any other. He faced his challenges in life perhaps better than most. We were very different men. He had his adventures when he was young. I had mine when I was a bit older. He wasn't much older than me, though, a mere decade. We did have some things in common. We were both family men. My third daughter just turned four this summer, in Surum. His children are all grown, and he's enjoying his grandchildren. You said he passed. You speak as if he were still alive. Isn't he? Isn't he? He drew from his cigar, looking for a moment at the ash at the end. Waving the waiter to the table, he ordered a whiskey. I will explain. He lives on in his deeds, his actions, and his legacy. Don't we all? Some men strive for greatness and become notable men in history. And we live in an era where history is being formed as we speak. Now, I don't think my friend will ever grace a history book. But I don't doubt his mark has been left. He was a forward-thinking man and educated. He attended some university and had a military career. But I think he was best educated through his own efforts. But I do not think that is what makes a man. He drew on a cigar again and sipped at his drink, which had just arrived. Do you believe in time travel? His question surprised me, and it must have shown on my face. I fancy myself to have a good poker face, but something flipped past. Pardon me? I asked. The ability to travel, not just through space, but also through time. Science has made many great leaps in the past few decades, and I think this is possible. And I think you do also. I noticed your fancy gadgets, also the odd-colored mud that dried on those boots. That mud is not from anywhere near here. And I doubt it would stay on you for long enough for you to have traveled from someplace that has such soil. A bit of mud and a few brass trinkets do not a time traveler make, I said as I fumbled with my lighter, lighting my pipe again which had gone out. Oh, I agree. But your accent, your mode of speech, your mannerisms, and your singular reaction to my question makes me think there is more to you than you let on. Not to mention that unique tool with which you light your pipe. 
I am thunderstruck, sir. I think you are, but your eyes say I am not completely incorrect either. You see, I have traveled three continents, piloted river boats, and met many people, but none like you. That is why I sat here. Now, do not be querulous. I have no intention of exposing you, and perhaps I only want to believe it because of my current state of introspection. I will have you know I am a Freemason, member of the Secret Society, Scroll and Key, and a member of the recently formed Society of Psychical Research. I even foresaw my own brother's death in a steamboat explosion a month before the event occurred. He said all this louder than the rest of our conversation. I looked around to see if anyone had overheard. The room had grown quiet. As I looked around, everyone began speaking again, and quite purposely not looking in our direction. He laughed kindly. <laughs> you see? Yeah, they look away. They will not bother us. We are too eccentric to having a discussion in our cups. But I think perhaps you may have answers for me. I have a friend, Nicola, who does wonderful research. He's made electric lights and many other tools available through his works. And he and I often discuss a very real possibility of time travel. He even works on a machine to make it possible. I stared at him and tamped my pipe, puffing to make sure it didn't go out. I sipped at my brandy and sized him up. I don't believe time exists except in the mind, I said, thinking I would shock him. He nodded and leaned back in his seat, waiting. Time, like any measurement, was made by humans to explain our world, our surroundings, so we could better understand them. But when you define things, you limit them, and that allows the impossible to exist. Without such definitions, nothing would be impossible. And scientists that ignore such parameters are the ones that prove the impossible does not exist. It is merely the undiscovered. Radical thinking. I am a very forward-thinking thinker also. I believe everyone should be allowed to have an education and an opinion. I support women's suffrage, abolition, and the emancipation. These are mundane conflicts compared to what you suggest. He paused. I... I am still trying to fathom the full implications of what you are suggesting. If these things do not exist, except in our minds, what does that say for the rest of the physical world, even our own bodies? They are a form of definition also. So what is real? Our minds, perhaps our spirits, our souls? Do you believe in God, sir? He asked, his eyes piercing me, and I knew this question was a test. He has a measurement also, and by defining something like God, we limit it, don't you think? He drew from his cigar and stared out the window for long minutes. His face went calm, and the lines upon it went smooth. I could see him savoring the thought like the whiskey and cigar he held in his hands, considering it. He threw back the last of his drink and waved for another drink for both of us. We sat in silence as a waiter brought our drinks and left. Perhaps, Jack, but if we do not believe in God and the rewards and punishment that comes with that faith, would we not turn to evil ways? He asked. Did you attend college? I asked, and he shook his head. I educated myself in public libraries and through life. Yet you still learned without an institution. 
Religion is a fine institution, but it's not the only way to learn how to be good and moral. It is a way for others to control what you learn, though, and how you think. Hmm. I must agree. I often speak of how many evils have come from religious efforts, wars, theft, killing of whole peoples, and destruction of whole civilizations over the disagreement of the definition of God. His eyes went wide. Jiminy Whiskers. There is that word again. Definition. You have made me use it, enforcing your point. Well done. He laughed. It was a laugh from deep inside and heartfelt. He then asked a question almost of himself. What are you saying, though? How does this relate to my original topic of my friend? I don't know. I don't even know if it relates at all. Of course it does. That's why I was drawn to you. If time does not exist except as a human concept, then he lives on. Forever, if you believe in time outside of time, in the mind, things come around again and again, he went on, now becoming passionate. Da Vinci thought of many things, including submersible crafts and a flight, and now we have zeppelins and are developing flying machines, or so I have heard. My friend was part of the Air Corps, you see, and my other friend, Nicola, says that with steam and electric... We should be able to create machines that fly without a balloon attached. So what is old is new again. It is reborn with the spirit and defined by the mind. We talked for many hours about many things at night. I think he realized that no one is ever truly lost to us, even if we no longer have them in our life. We all have a legacy. Some are just more public than others. We all touch many lives, and a simple touch is enough to change the world. You spoke of a world, places, and people I have not been part of in a long time. and made me miss it and want to return for a visit. I don't know how he arrived on that train, but I'm grateful he did. We never met again, but as we shook hands to part ways, he left me with a parting thought. Perhaps I will write about you one day, a man that comes to a different place at different times with different ideas, and we'll both have a legacy that others remember. And that's the end of that. Bravo, bravo! No, thank you. Yeah, this... Bravo! Bravo, that is enchanting. Quiet! I'm so glad you you read that book, because... um, it is the uh, first book of yours wow. that I have uh, gotten at Kindle, and I was uh, able to read along as you were as oh. you were reading that. It's so a, it's a wonderful a work. It's a it's a Thank wonderful you. work. I enjoy it so much. I can't wait to get into all of your books and uh, uh, ravish them uh, totally. Very good. Very good. I hope I don't it's harm a, my. Com- I hope I don't harm my laptop by ravishing, but uh, you, uh, you uh, have to accept what what happens in this world. And but it Absolutely. will be an enjoyable experience, whatever happens. Now, if you ever want to hear and me read it from, again, uh-huh. yes. If you ever want to hear me read it again, if you go to my YouTube channel, I have a playlist on there called Story Time. And I read it while smoking oh. a pipe and drinking a brandy. Oh, oh, yes, I, I've so subscribed to your page. Uh, 
I uh, I will look for that. Is it a that's a playlist you say? Yeah, on YouTube, you can mm-hmm. create playlists, and I have created playlists for yes, all my videos because I, I have almost four hundred. So mm-hmm. yeah, look for the story time. Okay, I'll click playlist this, on there and find it. Uh, this has been absolutely enchanting, and this is just what we needed. Uh, and, I, and I think Percival understands this is exactly what I needed tonight. Thank you oh, so you. much for just being so uh, so warm, for visiting Madam Perry Sloan, for being so generous with your work and with your time and reading to us. Oh, my gosh, this was... Percival, was this a treat? I'll say it. I've enjoyed this more than any show for a long, very long time. You're very kind. You know, thank you. But I've enjoyed a lot of the shows lately. And I'm sorry the tea was tepid. Tepid tea needs good conversation. There is nothing wrong with tepid tea. Oh, I love you, Percival. And Percival, we love you, and we love your tea, and we loved having you here to read. And remember, folks, I will have all the information on how to find uh, the website and all social media about Travis I. Sivert on my social media for Madam Perry Salon and mine for Jennifer Perry, as well as um, information on how you can keep this going and make it go even better uh, with more oomph, more energy uh, by contributing to the Kickstarter Talk of the Tavern. And don't forget, there's a free book for you um, on TravisIsever.com. And I guess the only thing to say is you have done us. You have done our hearts so much good. Also, thank you to Michael who called. Thank you to Ian and Edward who listened, and everyone else who's been listening live. Thank you to Percival. Travis, please, please say you'll return. I'd be happy to, and I'd also be happy to direct you towards many wonderful people who you could bring on the show in the future, too. I will be grateful for that. Thank you so much. This is Madam Perry saying, you know... Everybody's got to swing. I love you and can be nice to each other. Thank you. Have a great weekend. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.